Welcome to the Monthly Ideas Exchange podcast, brought to you by ASX, the heart of Australia's financial markets. Each month, we'll connect you to a range of leading industry experts who'll give you a look into the finance industry and deliver valuable insights. Hear about important market events, industry research, tips for your own market research, as well as innovative products to help you diversify your investment portfolio. Your host, Martin Din, has a passion for all things investing and is a major player in the investment product game, having assisted in the release of over 150 investment products since 2013 with ASX. Join him as he explores investment opportunities beyond just shares, from ETFs, rates, LICs, M-Fund and much more. Hi everyone, this is Martin Din and I'm very excited to bring to you the very first episode of the Ideas Exchange podcast by ASX. We have a fantastic show lined up where I'll be joined via Zoom by ETF industry expert Dan Anan, Director and Head of Institutional Business at BetaShares, one of Australia's largest ETF providers, managing over $14 billion in assets and offering 60 ETFs on ASX. In this month's episode, I will chat to Dan about why we think so many people dived into the stock market in the wake of COVID-19, the growing importance of diversification, and the rising popularity of ETFs. Dan will then share some tips on what to look out for before buying your very first ETF and some key themes to look out for in 2021. So an exciting first episode lined up. Let's jump right into it with Dan. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining me, mate. How have you been? I'm doing well, mate. And uh, thank you for for inviting me. I know you've been working on this project for quite some time. So hopefully uh, we do a good enough job that it keeps you going. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, you know, I'm excited to start this podcast and pump to record our very first episode. But I actually wanted to make a special call out. And that someone is BetaShares. I just wanted to congratulate on BetaShares on hitting the $14 billion in total assets milestone late last year. When I first started in my role back in 2012, BetaShares is only managing $1 billion in total assets with only nine products, which I have seen now to grow to 60 ETFs. So it's been a pleasure watching you guys grow over the years. So congratulations to you, Dan, and the team at BetaShares. Thank you very much. Definitely, it's been a journey and you know, a testament to sort of the overall market and education uh, and work that the team has put together. Thank you. So Dan, you've been involved in the ETF industry for over a decade now. So I guess I can call you uh, an ETF industry veteran, if that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. You can say that. That's your new, that's your new nickname. Um, so for all our listeners out there who are new to ETFs, um, what is an ETF and, and what drew you to the ETF industry? It's an interesting question and I guess a good way to, to start. So first of all, for those of you that haven't heard about an ETF, an ETF is the acronym for Exchange Traded Funds. Uh, what drew me to the industry is, a, is one of, uh, I guess, luck. But really, in mid 2000, I was working for uh, an asset manager out in New York, and one of our opening of our accounts for an emerging markets fund. The client needed exposure to uh, India and China. Now, I had heard of ETFs in the past. You know, they've been around uh, for quite some time in, before mid, mid-2000s, but I had never really experienced the usage of them. And long story short, there are certain countries whereby if you're opening an account, there's quite, it's quite onerous uh, as far as paperwork, 
And these countries are called ID markets, where you need to go through government paperwork, et cetera, to be able to trade physically uh, in those markets. Now, historically, most institutions will use derivatives to access these markets, uh, which can quite be expensive. But in our analysis, uh, we learn, or when we say we learn, the portfolio manager learned that using an ETF will be more efficient for the client. And so that was my first tiptoe into, into an ETF. Uh, we were able to use an India and a China ETF uh, for the client's emerging markets portfolio. And you know that opened my eyes to ETFs. Yeah, that's a really interesting story about what drew you to the ETF industry. And I think my experience is slightly different. I think I was drawn to it uh, as a result of my first ever investing experience. So when I was first starting out in investing, I remember how hard it was to figure out which stocks to buy to, to build a portfolio. A friend then introduced me to the idea of an ETF. I think I probably owe him a drink or two for that. And now what stuck out to me about ETFs was that you know, one ETF could hold 10 hundreds or even thousands of shares, which is as a result could provide me with a, you know, a diversified exposure to a section of the market. And essentially this was a, one solution to my investing problem. And now this evidently led me to buy my first ever ETF, uh, which was an ETF that provided exposure um, or broad exposure to the Australian share market. And Dan, unfortunately it wasn't a beta, the beta shares Australian 200 ETF um, because it, it wasn't around at that time. So don't hate me for that. <laughs> All right. That's okay. I would hold you to it. Um, but I, I would, however, like to uh, congratulate uh, A200 on being the fastest ETF to reach the $1 billion in total assets milestone, though. So special uh, congrats there. But anyways, long story short, after seeing firsthand how ETFs have helped me with my investment journey, um, I guess I knew that my future was in the ETF industry. You nailed it on the head as to, you know, the key reasons why investors uh, are drawn to ETFs. And, you know, I talked about, you know, a little bit about, you know, what they are, but I didn't talk about the benefit. Or well, a couple of the key benefits of an ETF is you get the benefit of basically using one trade to give you instant diversification, right? So, you know, you were able to get access to the broad market, uh, Aussie share market in a single trade, the ASX uh, has multiple exposures that gives you options to that to that market, and and again, you know, A two hundred, which we launched not too long ago, uh, is one that is is given Australian investors the opportunity to access the market at a low cost. Yeah, I I think that, you know that it's well summarized, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know I love ETFs and become an ETF nerd. So Dan, let's let's talk investing. 2020, I think, was a really challenging year for investors as we saw unprecedented uh, volatility in the markets. In 2020, uh, we saw the S&P ASX 200 was at all-time high in February, only to fall 36% in a space of a month um, as news of the pandemic broke out. And then since then, we've seen the S&P ASX 200 rebound by 45%, and now is a few hundred away, points away from its all-time high. Now, with all this wild activity going on in 2020, I read an article in the Sydney Morning Herald that 400,000 new ComSec accounts were created with a further 400,000 users downloading the ComSec mobile app from January 2020 to September 2020. So Dan, why do you think so many investors decided to suddenly jump into the market despite all this wild volatility in the share market? Yeah, look, I think what, what we saw in March of 2020 basically was an opportunity for investors that have been sitting on the sidelines, as you, as you clearly mentioned, uh, you know, we were at all high in, in markets and 
you know, investors saw an opportunity to basically get in the market. And the question then became, what is the best vehicle for me to use uh, given the current environment? And again, whenever there's some sort of, you know, volatility in the market, you know, what are investors looking for? They're, what they're looking for are diversification, transparency, lower cost type exposures to get them set, uh, especially in drawdown periods. And so I think what we saw in March and in, in the growth of ETFs in 2020 was a lot of investors saw an opportunity to be able to put cash to work and take advantage of an historical market drawdown. And again, just think about a lot of these investors also uh, were around in the GFC, right? We also saw quite interestingly in 2020, more of a younger generation or millennials getting into, uh, into the market. And if you take back to 2020, you know, that time period or the, the age group or demographic for millennials is you know, 1980 to you know, 1994 ish. So they would have been just under 30, this group around the GFC, whereby they didn't have, have enough capital to take advantage in the drawdowns that we saw in 2008, uh, in, in 2009. In 2020, you know, most of these guys were you know, mid 30s. 40s have been working for quite some time, have amassed some, some capital on the sidelines, have been learning quite a bit about the ETF market uh, with all the work that's been put in, put on by the industry and really saw the benefits of being able to access uh, diversification, transparency, and liquidity in a single trade, which the ETF tool brings to investors. Uh, and not to mention, you know, the, the tool, right? You know, the, you know, as far as a lot of applications or providers giving investors a, a tool where they can quickly get access, like, you know, as you mentioned, CompSet. Uh, I know BetaShares worked with CompSet Pocket, whereby, you know, one of our funds was selected uh, for the tech sector, NDQ. And, you know, we saw quite a bit of flow coming through uh, the CompSet Pocket towards our NDQ product, which covers the, the US NASDAQ 100 technology sector. I think, you know, you make a, a great point. So I kind of took two things away from that. The first thing is with the market so low, so just to give a bit of context, the S&P A6200 was at its lowest level in over 10 years. I think, you know, you had some investors out there that were thinking to, to themselves, hey, this could be that once in a lifetime buying opportunity. And I didn't want to miss out on that rebound. And another interesting point that you made there was that, you know, millennials was one group of investors that, um, you know, decided to jump into the market that time. And one of the reasons which I thought was a reason which I can resonate well with is that, you know, at that time of the GFC, I didn't have the money. But since that time, since the GFC, I've had time to acquire some cash and save money. And then when something like this happened, um, I had the cash to be ready to invest uh, to invest in because I didn't I didn't want to have the fear of missing out. I didn't want to miss out on, the, on, on that particular rebound. And I think to really highlight this point about taking advantage of this once in a lifetime buying opportunity, in our ASX investor study, we found that in the wake of COVID-19, 57% of investors stated that they wanted to invest in Australian shares over the next 12 months. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting statistic. Another interesting theory that I probably can share with um, our listeners is I read a theory from Bloomberg that they reckon more people decided to jump into the stock market because they had so much free times on their hands. And they were trying to find ways to occupy their boredom with one source of entertainment coming from buying and selling stocks. So Dan, this, 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 this theory, and, and to our listeners, this theory is called the boredom markets hypothesis which is essentially an idea that people tend to buy stocks because it's fun 
and the more fun stocks are and the less fun everything else is, the more they'll buy stocks. I'm not going to lie to you. I may have been one of those victims um, of the border markets hypothesis. And Dan, I think you touched another point about ETFs being really popular during during COVID. You know, it was it was quite volatile and investors turned to ETFs because of their d- diversification benefits. Dan, were there any other aspects of the ETF uh, wrapper which why investors found ETFs so appealing during the pandemic? Because like, just to give you our listeners a bit of context, this year, ETFs pulled in over $30 billion into ASX listed ETFs, which is pretty much 200% higher than the total inflows in 2020. So I thought, you know, that's quite a remarkable amount of growth. And I think, you know, as an ETF industry expert, what, what, why do you think ETFs were so appealing during the pandemic outside of just the diversification benefits? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it was a, a function of timing. ETFs, you know, and by the way, like it's, it's been an incredible story and, and time and time, time again, whenever there's volatility in the markets, in every single ETF market that I've been in, what you see is just tremendous amount of growth. And it's and it's been an incredible story for me to witness in the Australian market, you know, over the last four years. But really, I think the growth we saw in 2020 was the work that the ETF industry, uh, and in particular beta shares, uh, we spent quite a bit of time educating the markets around the benefits of diversification, transparency, lower cost. Really thinking about asset allocation and diversification in your portfolios, and in a time where a lot of clients and, and individual investors uh, were turned to working from home. And, and you know, interesting, you know, boredom hypothesis, if you want to call it, had a, a lot of time to look at the APA and watching markets fall. They saw every, I mean, everyone saw it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to really invest, right? And again, this in, in this time period, I think you had a lot of investors that had more capital to put to work today that didn't around the GFC. You know, we lived through GFC. We saw the markets drop, uh, the U.S. market drop approximately 50% over two years in front of our eyes. You know, the GFC was a different systematic issue within the financial markets. The pandemic was totally different, right? Like we were all working from home, but we sort of had the belief that this eventually, you know, will be resolved, right? With the work from central banks uh, really propping up markets uh, with fiscal policy to support you know, those that were unemployed. You know, there was still cash at hand for you know, people shopping online. And so there was, there was an opportunity for those that had the means and capital to put money back to work. Um, and I think the ETF industry benefited from those assets because of the work that's been put in by the industry, educating markets around the benefits and the idea of diversification uh, and the idea of transparency. I don't think this, you know, this trend is over. I mean, it's really exciting to see the ASX ETF market almost at 100, 100 billion. Um, you know, I, I think we should do that. We should probably hit that number within the next couple of months or so. But we will continue to see that trend of more and more investors really thinking about ETFs as part of their overall portfolio management and professionals as well. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that, Dan. Um, I think when I look at an ETF, you know, I look at, you know, what are the, the three key benefits? And I think this is something our listeners can kind of take away is the first is the, the, the diversification benefit, um, it's transparency, and also that it's, it's, it's low cost. But 
for me, and this is uh, my own personal opinion, I think that diversification benefit is the number one benefit. You know, and, and we, we actually have some some studies that show that is the most important benefit that investors have thought about. So we actually did a survey last year and we found that 31% of our the people surveyed in the wake of COVID-19 said they would put greater emphasis on diversification. And I think this is one thing that could have prompted investors to really move to ETFs because of their diversification benefits. And, you know, when we look at uh, our data, you know, we find that ETFs that provide the most broad exposure to the Australian share market uh, were actually the most popular ETFs in 2020. Examples such as A200, IOZ, STW and VAS, which I really think highlights this trend. So I think that, that the one thing I'd like our listeners to kind of take away from uh, you know our chat about ETFs and why investors jumped into the stock market um, was that you know during COVID-19, I think diversification really increased the awareness of actually that investors needed to diversify their portfolio to manage their risk and the vol- volatility and the some and the, the the vehicle that they can actually turn into to manage that diversification was actually the ETF wrapper. Well, if you think about it too, like what what, what diversification gives you in a, in a period of uncertainty and volatility, it gives you some comfort, right? You're not putting all your eggs in one basket. I mean, that's the overall idea, right? Uh, and I think, you know, take that same mindset into, okay, do I go out and I own a single technology stock? You know, obviously technology was one of the areas of growth uh, during this, this pandemic, uh, but do I go out and, and access one single technology stock or do I think about diversification? And, and I think that's, you know, the, the ETF wrapper and the offerings the ASX brings to investors uh, allowed investors to really take advantage of using the ETF as, as the one wrapper exposure for diversification. Spot on. You actually touch upon an interesting topic, technology. I think, you know, looking at our data, you know, we, we saw pop, the popularity of ETFs grow during COVID, but one area that was hugely popular amongst investors was actually technology ETFs. Um, we found that investors add over $1.6 billion into technology ETFs in 2020, which was over 600% higher than the total inflows um, into technology ETFs in 2019. I believe, Vita, you currently offer six technology ETFs and the experts in this area. So maybe you can provide us with some insights into why technology ETFs were so popular in 2020. Yeah, look, I mean, I just, if you think about technology and the implications of COVID, you know, you can put those two together and, and see why technology became an interesting area of investment. All of a sudden, we were all, you know, working from home, relying heavily on technology, right? Whether that's, you know, communication via technology, like with the likes of Zoom, um, if, if it's work-related, uh, Slack, internal communication, you know, shopping online. I'm, I'm a technology you know, dinosaur. I'm like, always lasted a game, right? Um, when it comes to technology, and I'm not joking. Like, literally, guys, guys on the desk laugh at me when I'm, when I'm asking questions around technology. But this year, I've had to force myself in all the tools that are, that's around me with technology. So the key reason why we saw tremendous growth in technology stocks this year uh, whether it's Amazon or I won't touch Tesla because that's a, you know, or, uh, you know, Appen or some of the local names, you know, our way of life really shifted to reliance on technology. Uh, and you had all these technology companies that have built their businesses around that. Uh, they were also available uh, for trading. And so the question then became like, you know, how, how do I know which one to buy? 
right? Uh, and that's why the, the ETF tool in that sector really allowed investors to take advantage of it. You know, uh, at BetaShares, we've been really, really working hard and ensuring that the Australian investor has the tools at their fingertips to, to invest and take, uh, express their views. And so, you know, as you mentioned, we represent about 50% of the tech sector or tech sector ETFs uh, on the ASX. And, you know, NDQ, you know, I think we saw about, you know, 500 or so million uh, net flow in, in NDQ, uh, which had a tremendous uh, performance for the year uh, from, from the drawdown of March 3rd. Uh, we also have exposures to Asian, Asian Tigers, which are basically the emerging technology, you know, companies like, you know, Alibaba, et cetera, in the emerging world, as well as, you know, we've done a tremendous job working with, with ASX and really bolstering the technology sector. And uh, we've, we've partnered with ASX and, and the S&P to deliver the technology sector in the ETF for Australian investors, ATEC. So all combined, you know, we saw about, I think, of all the flow into technology and on the ASX, and Betish has represented about 80%. And that's a testament to the work that the team has been doing, really educating the market around the tools that they have available at their fingertips to express their views. But the driver of, you know, to, to close that sort of conversation, the driver of growth in technology really had to do with the way COVID changed the way we live. Society basically shifted their reliance towards technology uh, in a massive way. And I think we will continue to see that. I mean, we'll continue to see more meetings on Zoom. You'll continue to see more communication via Slack. You'll continue to see more shopping online. You know, it's a, it's a convenience uh, and it's a, it's a positive convenience way of life. And that's what technology brought to the table. Yeah, I think, you know, this year has been, you know, uh, dealing with COVID and like you, I'm a technology dinosaur as well, quite terrible with technology, but working from home, it's made me ever increasing reliant on things such as video conferencing, online shopping and online entertainment. I think, you know, many people were in our same boat as well, right? And investors probably, you know, when they've seen something like this happen, they were like, I want to find the best way to ride this tailwind. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned this before about, you know, investors who are unsure of which individual technology companies to choose from. Maybe they wanted to get exposure to the te technology sector instead. And that's when the ETF became a useful tool for these investors, which I think to me is a, is a really key takeaway for our listeners today that, you know, ETFs can be used as an investment tool to express a view on a particular theme, um, such as the technology sector. Now, Dan, continuing on the topic of ETFs, we found that there was quite a few number of investors buying ETFs as their first investment. Um, with our ASX investor study, um, you know, showing 8% chose ETFs as their very first investment. Now, Dan, as an ETF veteran, what are some tips that you can share to our listeners before buying into an ETF? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Look, I think one of the key things is that make sure you do your homework. Again, so what is an ETF? An ETF is a collection of securities representing an index that's wrapped into a single stock. Most providers have, and at least at BetaShares, we have our holdings available to you online where you can actually see what you own. So it's important that you do your homework and understand the exposure that you're getting uh, within that wrapper. So I think that's, that's the key, right? So now one, okay, you want diversification, you made the decision that you want a specific exposure, but do a little bit of homework to ensure that, you know, the exposure that you think you're getting, it is exactly what 
what you're getting. The other thing is for first time uh, investors, because these products trade uh, just like shares on an exchange, remember you're buying into a collective underlining that's wrapped into a single stock on the exchange. So you have to think about uh, the most efficient way of trading. What I would encourage those that are sort of starting new uh, or even uh, if you haven't already, what I would encourage you to do is really think about the order types that, that's available to you. You know, I spend my, my time working uh, with institutional investors uh, that are buying ETFs. Um, and I spend a lot of time just really talking about order types. And for the most part, uh, depending on the size they're looking to do, we try and work with them on, on limit orders. Market, a market order and a limit order. If you, if you look on screen, the price that you're seeing on screen, whether fair or not, is what the market makers uh, and the market is pricing, right? If you put in a market order, basically you are, you are a price taker in essence. That's well, all and good, uh, but I would encourage you to really think about uh, limit orders. Depending on the size you're looking to trade, you, know, you may not get your trade size done, this is where, you know, if, depending on the size that you're looking to trade, most providers have a capital markets desk that can help guide you. Uh, so I would encourage you, you know, at BetaShares, you know, we, we do have a capital markets team that can help guide you on how you trade. And in addition to that, we have plenty of resources on our website that you can go and get smarter. Uh, so on our website, we have an education center where we produce one-on-one uh, -on -one content to allow beginners to really understand uh, the ETF structure, uh, the exposures, the trading of those exposures. So you know, if, I, if I leave you with anything, like the two tips are one, know what you own. So do a little bit of homework to understand what you own. And then two, when it comes to trading, just think about limit orders. That's, that's well summarized. Um, I think the limit order point is something that listeners can really take away from because, you know, especially when markets are quite volatile, if you put in a market order and the markets are moving so fast, you might get hit at a price that you might not want. But if you have a limit order, you can specify what price you want to set your buy and sell price at. So I think that's really important. And I think for me, when I make an investment decision, I think looking under the hood is probably the number one. Um, and really, I can just give you an example. We have two ETFs currently on the ASX under the ASX code RARI, R-A-R-I and FAIR, you know, they both look similar on the surface. You know, they look to invest in companies on the ASX and filter out companies that don't meet environmental, social and governance criteria with RARI tending to favour companies that pay higher dividends. So, you know, they look similar, but, you know, when we actually look under the hood, we find that RARI actually has a higher allocation to companies in the financial sector, whilst FAIR has a higher allocation to companies in the healthcare sector which is likely due to RARI favoring higher dividend paying companies. And really as a result of this different sector allocation, the returns were materially different. I think this is one of the many examples of why it's so important to look under the hood. Um, so Dan, we'll summarize and I hope our listeners take away those two tips. Use limit orders and make sure you look under the hood. Look, I wanna actually wanna, I wanna tap on that. Just touch on that a little bit because you bring up an interesting uh, example, which is, you know, the two ETFs that you, you, you bring up are ESG ETFs, which are basically values, values alignment. Like my values might be different from your values, right? And, you know, just outside of, you know, looking at performance and looking at, you know, sort of sector allocations, et cetera, you know, if in, in particular, when you're talking about ESG, make sure that your values aligns with the definition of the values of the exposure. Because that's, that's a really interesting 
segment uh, when it comes to ESG, whereby, you know, you can ask 10 different people in a room what their preference for ESG is, and you'll get 10 different answers. You know, and one of the things, you know, the, the at beta shares that we've done in this segment is just to try and answer that question to the common denominator when it comes to ESG. So for those looking for uh, ESG exposures, uh, I think it's very, very important that you really flip the hood, take a look at the underlying companies that's under the hood, but more importantly, take a look at the definition of criteria for those values, right? Um, at beta shares, we sort of, we took what I would call like a hard cut to if you're sort of, if you're like in a spectrum of like light green to dark green, with dark green being really harsh on the E, the S and the G, uh, we went dark green, right? There's no ambiguity as to the E, the S and the G in our exposures, uh, whereby you may have some investors that want to be benchmark aware, which, which would mean that you would need to sort of go a little bit lighter on that green to gain uh, a benchmark aware exposure. So again, this is one of those, you know, a key example that you bring up around flipping under the hood to, to ensure that what you're buying is what you want. Yep, that's that's the reason why looking under the hood is so important. And and I hope, you know, that's something that, that you really take away and um, especially use that as an important point when, you know, you first jump into your investment journey. Now, Dan, a final question for you. Um, looking to the future, and, you know, no one's got a crystal ball, so we won't hold you to it. What sort of areas should our listeners look out for in 2021? There's a few things. I mean, one of the, one of the things, like, it's not like we flipped into 2021 and all the themes that were sort of happening in 2020 went away, right? COVID-19 is still an issue today. Uh, a bit today we have vaccines and there are plans to manage that down the road. And so hopefully as more people get vaccinated, you know, we should see less and less of people catching the virus and, and hopefully allowing all of us to sort of get back to the new norm, whatever that, that looks like. So, you know, the themes that sort of rode into 2020, I, I still see sort of that happening in 2020. So technology, that's still going to be an area of consumption uh, and reliability by all of us. Right. Um, and so that's going to be an interesting space. Another area, you know, with the new president, the 46th president of the, of the U.S. coming in play to think about would be, you know, what he's going to do with some of the policies put in place by the previous president. You know, so things like, you know, trade wars, like should we see that sort of, you know, dying down a bit? I mean, I in, this morning I, and I flipped I flipped my news and he's already started reversing about 15 of those policies. One thing that we've, we've all heard quite a bit is him getting, getting the U.S. back into the Paris Accord. That's, a, that's an ESG theme, right? ESG was a big theme going into 2020. And then we had COVID-19 sort of come about and sort of muted that conversation a bit, uh, especially in Australia, right? We had the bushfires going into 2020. And then we had COVID-19. Uh, there was a lot of talk around ESG in the beginning of 2020, and that's sort of muted with COVID. So I think you will see more of that conversation pick up, uh, especially with companies, global uh, governments really thinking about a net zero a carbon uh, environment by mid-century, right? And so ESG is going to be a theme in this market uh, in 2020, and, and I would encourage you to 
you know, do your research and, and learn what's out there and what's what's uh, appropriate for you for an investment. Uh, and last but not least, because we are all uh, heavily relying on technology today, cybersecurity is going to be an interesting space, right? Because you you know you would expect that because we're all relying on technology, we will have some challenges around being hacked, etc. Uh, and to that end, uh, companies that provide services uh, to protect cyber hacks uh, will benefit and grow uh, in this environment. So I think, you know, we, we recently published uh, our 2021 outlook on, on our website. It's, it's presented by Chief Economist, and it's available for you to go out and, and have a look. But we think there's an opportunity really to think about the tech sector, uh, the ESG sector, and in particular with the, uh, within the tech sector, thinking about cybersecurity. And we have ETFs that covers all those uh, asset classes. 2021 looks like uh, it's going to be quite a year for us. Um, cybersecurity, technology, and ESG. Um, well, Dan, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us and providing our listeners with some wonderful insights um, into the ETF space. I really enjoyed our chat and hope our listeners found this information useful. Uh, we look forward to welcoming you back down the road. Thank you very much. Well, that concludes the first episode of the Ideas Exchange podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did and I learned about the importance of diversification in the wake of COVID-19 and how ETFs can be a useful investment tool to help you build a diversified portfolio. Next month, we have an exciting show lined up where I'll be joined by industry veteran Gemma Dale, Director of SMSF and Investor Behaviour at NABTRADE as we explore a very topical area, the importance of investing for women. For now, thanks for listening. Visit the ASX website, asx.com.au, and register for the next Investor Day, our premier education event, providing timely market insights and ideas from a range of industry experts. ASX Limited ABN 9800862491 and its related bodies corporate, ASX, makes content available for podcast, content, and the content may be downloaded on these conditions. ASX grants a non-exclusive licence to download the content for private and non-commercial use only. You may not use the content for any other purpose, including without limitation distribution to a third party or implying a connection between you or any third party and ASX, its offices employees or contractors. The views, opinions or recommendations of the author or speaker in the content are solely those of the author or speaker and do not in any way reflect the views, opinions, recommendations of ASX. The content is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to include or constitute financial product advice. You should obtain independent advice from an Australian Financial Services licensee before making any investment decisions. ASX does not give any representation or warranty with respect to the accuracy, reliability, completeness or currency of the content. To the extent permitted by law, ASX and its employees, officers and contractors are not liable for any loss or damage arising in any way, including by way of negligence, from or in connection with any information provided or omitted or from anyone acting or refraining to act in reliance on this information. 